Hello, and welcome back to One Conversation, the podcast where we believe one conversation can change a life. Before we get going here today, if you are not already following or subscribed to our podcast, please make sure to do so so that you won't miss any of our episodes. So today we are going to be discussing how trauma can have an impact throughout the lifespan. We are also going to discuss an important screening tool for assessing childhood trauma called the ACE study, and that's capital A-C-E. It's an acronym we will be telling you about. Uh, Disclaimer before we start, during this discussion, we'll be talking about abuse and trauma, so listener discretion is advised on this one. Make sure you take care of yourself, and of course, we will be doing our usual meditation at the end, so you can join us in that. Let's start by defining and discussing trauma. We have Sarah here today. Thank you, Brie. I am so excited for this topic today. It is one of my favorite things to talk about, so I can't wait. And let's go ahead and dive in. So trauma is defined as an emotional or psychological response to an event. These events can vary, and the event itself doesn't always have to be a physical event or cause immediate fear for one's life or safety. But those kinds of events are definitely most notable when we talk about trauma. We do have an episode called The Four F's of Trauma if you want to check it out to learn more about the four types of trauma responses. We do know that trauma in early childhood can cause effects throughout the lifespan, especially on brain development. Experiencing different types of trauma can change the brain chemistry as well as the structure of the brain. These brain changes can impact normal functioning and cause issues, especially later on in life. The parts of the brain that become the most affected by trauma are the amygdala, hippocampus, and the prefrontal cortex. First, our amygdala is our emotional response control center of the brain. The amygdala is responsible for how we understand and control our emotions and plays a key role in emotional memories and fear responses. After experiencing trauma, the amygdala can become overactive, which means you have overactive fear responses, especially in someone with PTSD. Mm-hmm. Our hippocampus is related to memory and learning. So when affected by trauma, this area of the brain can not only shrink, but can have decreased functioning when reminded of the traumatic event. I'm always really surprised when something can, well, I guess I shouldn't be surprised after six years of doing this work, but... When something physically actually happens after trauma, like it's not just something that you feel is going on, but physically something changed in your body. Yeah. It's crazy that how the body is so affected by different trauma and it may not happen immediately after it may be years after Mm -hmm. something happens. You never really know how your body is going to be affected by the traumas that have happened. Yeah. Lastly, the prefrontal cortex, and that is responsible for our high-level thinking, reasoning, and overall functioning. This is the one they say is not fully developed. I think women is like 26 now. Men, is it ever developed? Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) The effects of trauma and PTSD can cause this area of the brain to have decreased functioning and activation which can lead to irrational fear that may be difficult to overcome. This little anatomy lesson is important because the ACE study we're going to talk about relates how these traumatic events and significant brain changes can affect health and behavior throughout the lifespan. Yeah, so 
For anyone who doesn't know, the ACE study stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. And this ACE study was created in 1994 by a partnership between Kaiser Permanente and the CDC. In the beginning of the study, 17,500 adults were asked about their history and exposure to different types of adverse child experiences, or ACEs. The ACEs study screened for physical, emotional, or sexual abuse, physical or emotional neglect, parental mental illness, substance dependence, incarceration, parental separation or divorce, and also domestic violence. For every adverse experience that they said yes to being exposed to, they were given one point on their ACE score. The researchers then began to relate the ACE study scores to serious health outcomes. They found that ACEs are extremely common, so common that 67% of the population has at least one ACE, and 12.6%, or one in eight people, had four or more. They also found something called a dose response, which is a relationship between ACEs and health outcomes, meaning that the higher your ACE score is, the worse your health outcomes could be. The imagery used to show this impact of the ACEs throughout the lifespan is a pyramid. At the bottom of the pyramid are the ACEs themselves, and then on the next level is distributed neurodevelopment. After that level of social, emotional, and cognitive impairment. Then adoption of health risks, behaviors, followed by disease, disability, and social problems. Lastly, at the top of the pyramid shows early death. Of course, these stages of the pyramid depend on the amount of experiences someone has had. I think this pyramid is a really great visual to see how these effects can happen for development over time and more exposure to trauma. Researchers also started to correlate specific health and behavior issues with a higher ACE score. According to the different ACE research, findings show that individuals who have experienced four or more ACEs have had an increased risk of smoking, alcoholism, or drug abuse, increased risk of depression and suicide attempts, poor self-rated health, 50 or more sexual partners, greater likelihood of sexually transmitted diseases, challenges with physical inactivity, and severe obesity. They also found that ACE scores are associated with likelihood of attempted suicide across the lifespan, increased risk for broken bones, heart disease, lung disease, liver disease, and multiple types of cancer. Wow. That's so many different things that That can happen. And you just... I just don't think it's thought about that, you know, having four things that have happened that could be considered a traumatic experience mm-hmm. could affect your life and like every part of it. Right. I, when I think about ACEs, I think back to the first people who were discovering this. And I think if I was one of the researchers, I'd be like, no way. Like, is this, re- is this data really coming through like this? Like, what did we just find? Yeah. And that had to be such a weight on their shoulders to be like, we have to share this. We have to get this out, but like, this is going to be huge. And I think it's gaining traction now in the country of being significant and like Mm -hmm. being huge. But I think this is something that is definitely life-changing for a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. And just, yeah, it's life-changing for everyone. And it just points to how traumatic experiences don't, just affect you in that short term like it literally mm-hmm. can affect you for the rest of your life mm-hmm. so so and although like we were just talking about like although experts can argue of course traumatic things can lead to one to drink or smoke causing different issues science and the research has proved that was there was a lot more into it 
and that these brain changes are an important factor and why these health and behavior issues become so significant. Yeah, understanding the changes that ACEs can make in the brain is ultimately understanding why these risks become so increased. When areas of the brain, such as the amygdala or the nucleus accumbens, which is our pleasure and reward center of the brain, when those two are impacted, there is significant increase for impulsive or high-risk behavior taking. These brain changes were studied using MRI scans, and they showed significant differences in the brains of people who experienced ACEs versus people who hadn't. This showed that there is likely neurological evidence of why someone exposed to high doses of these experiences are in fact more likely to engage in high-risk behaviors such as smoking, drinking, drug use, risky sexual behaviors, or even more subtle things like not wearing a seatbelt. This is one that I've kind of been curious about with ACEs is, you know, they say you have these ACE scores and, oh, now you might be more likely to drink. Like you think starting to drink might be more of a choice that you make, right? And then it develops onto becoming its own disease and then you have brain changes from the alcohol. And so it's interesting to hear that there's, there's that link of how the trauma actually made you engage in more risky behavior, mm -hmm. that those are absolutely linked. And then that can lead to then the development of alcoholism. And it's just, there's so much that trauma can, can affect throughout your lifespan. Another groundbreaking result they found was that even if someone who experienced a larger amount of ACEs did not partake in high-risk behavior, they were still more likely to develop heart disease or cancer. This is due to our brain and body's stress response system that controls our fight or flight reflex. And I know I've made a couple of like, you know, jokes throughout this because I want to keep it, you know, we don't like to keep it heavy all the time. And um, we'll make sure we talk at the end that there are resilience factors that mm -hmm. go along with this too. This is not something that is, oh, all right, you got your ACE score, you can look forward to cancer in about mm, 10, 12 years, however long, you yeah. know, there's no time frame for it. There's absolutely ways that we can combat this and it is not a death sentence. It's not a cancer sentence. This is not a, this 10 times out of 10 will lead to this. There's just a lot of scientific evidence now that says this does lead to this, but what can we do about it? And that's part right. of what our jobs do. Definitely. There's a great analogy to describe the body's overactive fight or flight reflex and how it can impact someone. This analogy came from an incredible TED Talk done by Nadine Burke Harris, <laughs> who is now the Surgeon General for California. Um, all right, Harris, so here we go. Say you are in the woods and you see a bear. So when you see that bear, your hypothalamus sends a signal to the pituitary, your pituitary gland, and another signal to our adrenal gland that says, all right, release stress response hormones. There's a bear. So those stress response hormones are adrenaline or cortisol. When this happens, your heart races, your pupils dilate, and you can become ready to either fight the bear or run for your life. This is an amazing lifesaver in that kind of moment, but it is not a good thing if you are not actually in front of a bear. And what happens if that bear comes home with you every night 
and your system is activated over and over again. That bear could be, you know, if you're in an abusive relationship, that bear could be your partner. If you're experiencing child abuse from a parent or caregiver, that could be your caregiver coming home is that bear. Whatever that trauma is, is acting as that bear in this analogy. This system goes from being adaptive and life-saving, if you're actually in front of a bear, to maladaptive or health-damaging, if it's that figurative bear. She also goes on to mention that children are particularly sensitive to this repeated stress activation due to the fact that their bodies and brains are still developing. This not only affects brain structure and function, but also our immune system, our hormonal system, and even the way DNA is transcribed. These are incredible findings, and knowing that biologically our bodies can change in such negative ways from ACEs, it's critically important to understand what we can do to screen, process, and mitigate the effects of these trauma experiences. Yeah, so the ACE study is, or excuse me, the ACE test isn't that long. It's only about 10 questions long. We aren't going to go through the full ACE screenings, but we want to take a moment to look at a few of the questions that to give you a deeper look. These do not cover all the different areas of questions, just a few. So one of the questions could be, or is, did a parent or adult, other adult in the household often or very often push, grab, slap, or ever hit you to where you had marks or injuries? Did you often or very often feel that no one in your family loved you or thought you were important or special? Your family didn't look after each other, feel close to each other, or support each other. Did you often or very often feel that you didn't have enough to eat, had to wear dirty clothes, and had no one to protect you? Or your parents were too drunk or too high to take care of you or take you to the doctor if needed? Were your parents ever separated or divorced? What I think is interesting about these questions is that they're very personal to the person that's answering them. Mm -hmm. Everyone's going to, you know, have a different opinion on if they felt loved or not. And that's going to look different for every person Mm -hmm. that takes it. So it's not a hard line on, you know, you can't prove that someone loved you or didn't love you. That's a feeling that Mm -hmm. you have. There's not like a yes or no to that. That's so true on these. There are some questions on there that's like, was a parent incarcerated? You know, that's a black and white one. But that's such a good observation about these few examples. So every yes that is marked on the on this survey is one point. And gentle reminder, over half the U.S. population has at least one ace point after taking the test, and one in eight people have four or more. Also, this test doesn't cover every type of adversity a child's going to face, and everyone is just different, like we were just talking about. Just because someone experienced several ACEs doesn't mean they will inevitably develop social, emotional, or health issues. There's a lot of different factors that come into play. So I've been open on our podcast before about how I've experienced trauma in my life. And so I'm actually one of that one in eight. I have experienced four ACEs. So when I first learned that if you experienced four or more, you're 10 times more likely for this or four times more likely for that, it was definitely hard to process. But at the same time, Like I was saying earlier, I know that I have those resilience factors Mm -hmm. in place. And so that is how we can mitigate this. That can be a really scary thing to see that and read it. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh no, I have all of these things. Because a lot of times when you take these Mm -hmm. sorts of tests that 
resiliency part isn't like factored in. You have to like go seek it out or we're lucky enough where we know that's a thing. So if we can talk about that with someone, then it can kind of like help relieve that shock Mm -hmm. for them a little bit. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of factors that affect the actual outcome of experiencing these types of trauma and the process to mitigate or reduce the effects of ACEs is definitely comprehensive. Protective factors are huge when talking about the outcomes of these experiences. Protective factors are conditions or attributes in individuals, families, and communities that, when present, lower or eliminate the risk of negative outcomes. So if a child has extensive protective factors in place, such as supportive adults, a sense of self-worth, resiliency, or feeling that they're being appropriately nurtured, this could positively change the effects of those experiences. It's also really important to educate about ACEs and their effects, especially for parents, medical professionals, or anyone who works with children. Dr. Robert Block, the former president of the American Academy of Pediatrics, said that, quote, adverse childhood experiences are the single greatest unaddressed public health threat facing our nation today, end quote. I would agree. Yep. That's why we really wanted to discuss this today to introduce this concept to our listeners and provide this information. For individuals who have a higher ACE score that are experiencing issues, it's important to reach out for help, whether that be medically or emotionally. Early intervention or getting treatment can greatly change health or mental health outcomes. Just know that you are not alone and you deserve to be the healthiest, happiest version of you. So talking about those resiliency factors, those protective factors, if a child has just one adult that they feel they can trust and they can look up to, that one adult can literally be the difference between Mm -hmm. them experiencing some of these adverse health outcomes later in life or going on to live a healthy, healthier life at least. I think that is so huge for any adults that are listening who have youth in their lives that if you know someone who is struggling, who has faced some of these, some of these traumas and experiences you could be that one person that changes their life. It only takes one trusting adult. I think that is so impactful because sometimes we get so frustrated about all the things that are happening in the world and it's like, oh, what can we do? It feels like a problem that's so much bigger than us, but it doesn't have to be. We can make that difference one at a time. If you save one, that's worth it. For sure. And being those adults, it's not, you don't necessarily need this extensive training or to do anything special yeah. or huge. It's just being present and being available to these. And like everyone has the power to help a child mitigate some of the effects that ACEs can have on them. Absolutely. And I think in some of the resources that we'll link below, those can tell you more about the resilience factors so that you can really encourage those in youth. That's so important. All right. That was, that was a lot to talk about. It was yeah. a lot of serious stuff. If this was your first time hearing about ACEs, you're probably about to go into a deep dive on all of the other resources we just gave you. I know that's what I did when I first found out about it. So before you go and do that, we're going to do a meditation. If you're in a space where you can join us, 
So if you are ready to engage in this self-care activity today, go ahead and make yourself comfortable wherever you are. Go ahead and close your eyes and just start to be aware of your breath. We're not going to do so much breath work, more of, we're going to do some uh, mental work, some self-care work, but make sure that you're focusing on your breath at the same time. I'm just not going to necessarily guide you through the breath. So let's take a few moments to make sure we're getting that good oxygen. With your eyes closed, I want you to imagine a dearly loved person sitting opposite you, wherever you are, and that a white light connects your heart to their heart. Pay attention to whatever feelings are coming up with that. Connect with the feelings of affection and warmth that you're feeling for that person. Identify and enjoy these feelings as they fill your body. Now you're going to slowly focus on the phrase, may I be well, happy, and peaceful, while feeling the warmth of loving kindness filling your body. Now send these feelings to your friend. May you be well, happy, and peaceful. Continue breathing naturally as that light connects you both heart to heart. Repeat, may I be well, happy, and peaceful. And towards them, may you be well, happy, and peaceful. Feel yourself bathed in the warmth and the light of loving kindness while repeating these phrases to yourself. Remember to breathe naturally as the white light connects you both, heart to heart, and continue. May I be well, happy, and peaceful. May you be well, happy, and peaceful. See yourself and your friend radiating the light of loving kindness out into the world beyond where you are sitting. Now repeat to yourself, may we be well, happy, and peaceful. May all beings be well, happy, and peaceful. Take a moment, make sure you're still taking those cleansing breaths. And repeat to yourself again, may we be well, happy, and peaceful. May all beings be well, happy, and peaceful. Now enjoy the feelings of warmth and expansion in your body. Recognize the feelings that flow from your heart out into the universe and the universal friendliness reflected in your own heart. 
May we be well, happy, and peaceful. May all beings be well, happy, and peaceful. As you continue to bathe in the warmth of loving kindness, turn your attention to your body and notice your feelings and sensations. Notice what is observing your body and recognize that awareness. A peaceful, still part of you that witnesses everything without judgment. One more deep breath. And slowly open your eyes. I chose that one because it was making you think of someone who you feel that loving kindness towards and is also it has positive affirmations in it. And that's one thing that if you are wondering where to start with a youth in your life that you want to be supportive with or supportive for, you can start teaching them about positive affirmations, statements that you repeat to yourself over and over again until you really believe it. They're great for everybody. Your favorite. They are my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> it's your favorite. Hey, that was a good meditation. Thank you for leading us in that, Bree. Mm-hmm. All right. So we are going to have plenty of resources below to look further into ACE scores and effects of trauma. We will also have contact information to assist in researching professionals in your area. If any of our listeners want to connect with medical professionals or seek support for their mental health. We want to thank you so much for being a part of this important discussion today, and we hope you will join us for our next conversation.